Somebody who is never in need of uh, of hatware, including the WABC hat, because he's become so known for his trademark bald head, even more so than people like Mr. Clean and even Sid Rosenberg, is Dr. Keith Abloh. He is a best-selling author, a television commentator, and psychiatrist. Uh, Dr. Abloh, it is great to talk with you again. How have you been? I've been well, Frank. How are you? I'm it's great. Good to talk to you. It's always great to talk with you. Believe me, I know uh, how difficult it is uh, being awake at this time, and I appreciate you uh, making some time for us this early in the morning. So thanks. It is a pleasure. Um, let me begin with some sad news. Uh, we we've been chronicling the law, the passing of Naomi Judd. Now she apparently appears to have taken her own life. And you've got to help our listeners out here because a lot of us look at somebody like Naomi Judd and we see somebody that's uh, beautiful, probably fairly wealthy, um, prob- no question about it, very famous, and appeared to have a loving family and support group around her. What possible reason could someone that has fame, family, uh, looks, and money have to kill themselves. What happens? That goes against the grain of what I think a lot of us think about when we think of someone who's suicidal. Well, you know what? Uh, There is no level of success that immunizes you from major depression. And the reason, listen, if you were to sit down with Naomi Judd together with me for 11 minutes, we would get to the heart of what has caused her suffering emotionally in her life, what has stalked her that she hasn't come to terms with, probably um, there is something very, very significant. But it all comes down to, in the end, even if it's a life story issue, it's also a brain chemistry issue that, you know, there's no success that makes your dopamine, serotonin, and norepinephrine, all these chemical messengers in your brain, flow the way that they should. And so, What's the reason? The reason actually is major depression. You can be so depressed that the idea of getting ready for an event, as Naomi Judd was anticipating attending, is so daunting that you say, I, I'm, I, I'm so undone by it. I can't even think. I literally can't decide. And I'm on the, on the floor of my closet crying, trying to decide what, what to wear. I can't get my mind to work. And that can be so dispiriting that people wrongly think it will always be this way, which it won't. Depression's very treatable. So uh, someone like Naomi Judd, obviously, unless you've examined her, I'm sure you can't speak to her specific situation, but I'm sure you've seen a lot of profiles like her and hers over the years. Is it that she would have been uh, depressed and possibly suicidal no matter what, because of her brain chemistry, or did the pressures of fame and the pressures to perform um, push her to a breaking point where that depression that uh, she might have been able to contend with if she had some degree of anonymity, that that depression became too much for her to bear? Well, you're asking, you know, an age-old question that gets to the core of psychology and psychiatry, which is, is it brain chemistry or is it your life story? Um, you know, when you, if you were to assume, listen, it's got to be somehow involved with their life story. And by the way, I've never met anyone who's depressed where you can't say, well, it looks like. 
there's something very, very complicated that happened in your life uh, that, you know, is still you're ruminating about it. You haven't figured it out. And for Naomi Judd, the question is, well, listen, what did fame mean? Was fame something that caused her to feel good like a drug? But then underneath that, she was like, well, but I, I wasn't ever loved. And I don't know her, so I can't presume to, to know her story. But I wasn't ever loved as a kid or I was hurt as a kid. Or, you know, sure, I've been chasing this notoriety and I like it. And I'm very talented, thank God. But I don't feel like a worthwhile person anyhow. That is the formula for losing your grip, losing the driver's seat, if you will, of your own life. And that's what depression feels like. People say they don't feel as though they're occupying their own existences. It's terrifying because you don't feel as though you can do anything because you're dislodged, it feels like, from the driver's seat of your own existence. Terrifying. And people say, I can't take it. They've rated the pain of depression as worse than cancer. And yet it's so much more highly treatable. People absolutely have to do something at every moment to say, listen, I'm not the one who should decide if this is the end because I'm being disempowered by the illness. So I can't think through it the right way. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with Dr. Keith Abloh. He's a New York Times bestselling author of 16 books, uh, former columnist for a lot of major publications, including the Washington Post and the New York Post, and a very sought-after radio and TV commentator. You can check out his website at keithablo.com. That's uh, Keith, A-B-L-O, W.com. And there are some ways to actually get in touch with Dr. Abloh if you think you might be dealing with depression or are looking for some resources to help someone that is dealing with depression. Now, uh, Keith, I, I think that many of us have been depressed at one time or another, uh, I, either because we're dealing with a personal setback or there's some, uh, you know, there's some external tragedy or maybe just because we just wake up and we get the blues. How do we know if the if the depression that we're feeling at any given time is clinical depression or if it's the normal getting depressed that everyone goes through? You know, people who are clinically depressed aren't just sad. It's a pervasive sense of sadness, number one, but it's also other disturbances. So people describe being unable to sleep. Usually, occasionally they sleep more, but generally they can't get good sleep. And uh, they may experience what's called early morning awakening, where you wake up at this kind of time, four o'clock or three thirty in the morning, and you can't get back to sleep. Right? Your appetite may be disturbed, usually very much reduced. You can't concentrate. You're dwelling on very negative thoughts. So it's one thing to be sad. It's another thing to be ruminating about past losses or or choices you made that were self-defeating, you think. Um, And then you're not eating, you're not sleeping, you can't concentrate. This is a whole set of symptoms that truly make you feel as though life has gone dark, right? You're in the basement, a cold basement, and you can't get out. But the truth is, you can, because over 96% of people triumph over major depression. And now, my God, the tools we have to combat it are so much more numerous than they were before. Uh, 
from transcranial magnetic stimulation using magnets, literally, to coax the brain back into action, little magnetic pulses, many new medicines, supplements that work, and never to be underestimated, psychotherapy, a connection with a healer, it can bring you back. And they've proven that with scans of the brain, that when you make a connection with someone who empathizes with your situation, it can make all the difference. Now, if I am somebody that's uh, dealing with depression, and I'm not sure necessarily what the right course of action is, if it's cognitive therapy, if it's uh, medication, if it's something like those that magnetic treatment that you mentioned, how do I know what the most effective course of treatment for depression is for me? Well, the first thing is start, right? So, uh, you know, too many people don't start. You call somebody, you get a clinician, and then you have a bit of a guide to go forward. Uh, Secondly, so one thing is I I wouldn't try to do this without counseling Mm -hmm. because that human connection, it's tremendously important. Um, If somebody reaches for a prescribing pad within the first, you know, 30 seconds of your visit, go somewhere else. Uh, You want to talk to someone. Uh, Secondly, you know, right now I'd be hard pressed if anybody out there, by the way, is at the edge of the earth thinking, can I go on today? Look up ketamine and depression, this former anesthetic and, and literally used as a street drug by some people, ketamine. When given IV by people who are knowledgeable, knowledgeable about how to do it, and it's literally 60 minutes, uh, can turn things around so that you get clarity and you're no longer in that dark, cold basement, but you get to see the light for long enough that you say, you know what, what was I thinking? I was thinking my life was over? So ketamine, for those who are literally listening to us up early in the morning because they're feeling like life could be over today. Look up ketamine and depression. Find yourself a clinician. If, I mean, I can imagine one of the most frustrating things in the world has to be feeling powerless as a family member suffers with the throes of clinical depression and maybe even takes their own life. If someone, and I've known several people, you know, who several families that have had to deal with this, how do how do you know if a friend or a family member is suffering from depression and uh, how do you go about persuading that person to get the kind of treatment that we're that we're talking about here first of all ask them right too many of us are loath to and shy about literally asking direct questions of a person who might be in that dark place because, you know, we're shy about it. It's like, well, I'm going to ask this person if they're going to end their life. Yeah. And you do it like this. You say, listen, I'm not suggesting that you're here in this terrible place. But, you know, if you're thinking it in any way of hurting yourself, you know, you got to tell me. And we'll take this on together Um, because some folks will tell you I am. And then it's like, you know, the emergency room or call to the clinician right away that you've already engaged or what what have you. And so that's the first thing is ask people. Then secondly, uh, tell them, listen, right now, remind them right now, you're not thinking like yourself. So don't start making decisions as though you are. You're not. 
we're going to make a choice together. So I'm going to take the next step with you. We're going to go, since the medicine hasn't worked, we're going to go and we're going to look up uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation, TMS. We're going to go do that. And you're not out of chances. You're not out of choices. There are so many options for depressed people. I got to tell you again, because I know that somebody out there that's listening to us is depressed right now. You are not finished with options because I've never had anyone come to my office who said, who I've had to say, well, you've tried everything. Now I've never met that person uh, because you know, something will work 98% of the time, something will work. Um, as I mentioned, this is Mental Health Awareness Month, and uh, I, that is something that so often seems to not be talked about enough in society. And it's something that uh, I think a lot of us may not know how to wrap our heads around. You know, as terrible as cancer is, uh, I think most of us have a, a good understanding of cancer is. It's a, it's a great way. It's easy to uh, make a push for women to get mammograms and things of that nature or uh, for prostate cancer awareness month to encourage men uh, to go and get uh, PSA tests or for colon cancer to encourage people to go out and get a colonoscopy. But it, once we intellectually understand the importance of mental health, what do we actually do to encourage people to get to, to assess their own mental health or encourage them to, you know, do the equivalent of a, a colonoscopy or a PSA test for their mental well-being? Well, first, we've got to remind them that it, there's great success in psychiatry and psychology and, you know, uh, all manner of therapy, um, number one, and that there's so many alternatives because people feel like there aren't. Secondly, how do we get them to get help? We have to remind them that right now the system sucks. Man, the mental health care system, it's like a maze trying to navigate it. So what needs to change? What needs to change? Well, what needs to change is um, that uh, we need to, number one, incentivize people to make the choice, uh, physicians and others, to make the choice during training to pick mental health care careers. That's one thing. Secondly, we have to put the doctors back in control uh, and uh, let them make the decisions not the insurance companies, mm. because the insurance companies have dummied this down. I don't mean that anyone isn't capable, but, you know, the truth is, you know, you get, uh, you know, to looking up, well, who should I go see? And it's like, well, you know, what does this mean? This person's a, a, a mental health counselor. Well, sometimes that means that it's not someone who went to college, right? Because the insurers are so happy to kind of press down the level of expertise that people have access to, that that's what's happened, is that sometimes you don't have access to a physician, a psychologist, or, or someone else who can really guide you through this. Um, and, you know, we need absolutely uh, to not only have more clinicians available, but in addition to that, we have to um, encourage people to do the work so unfortunately, this whole idea of talking to people, right, has gone out the window. It's like everybody's ready to just prescribe uh, and not necessarily expertly. Um, and so you got to navigate. You got to say to yourself, I'm, I'm engaging in a quest 
to get the help that I need. And I'm going to involve a family member or friend to kind of be my co-pilot in this because it's a maze. And I'm, I'm looking for real help, not fake help. Um, there's another thing that anybody with depression should do. Here's how easy it is. Go to any website, go to Amazon, go to any website, go to CVS, buy yourself curcumin. Now, why do I say that? I don't own stock in curcumin. Curcumin is derived from the Indian spice turmeric. Curcumin, believe it or not, when uh, pitted against Prozac in clinical trials, where they give you either the curcumin capsules or Prozac, they're equivalent. So even if you haven't gone, and you should to go see a doctor, if you want to do something innocuous without side effects, that can literally boost your mood as well as an antidepressant, take curcumin. Hmm. Um, and it's amazing that people don't know about that yet because people look at me with shock every time I tell them that. They're like, wait a second, a spice? I'm like, yeah, spice. It's anti-inflammatory, huh. which is probably why it works. And it's, you know, 11 bucks a bottle for a month. Now, this is a uh, shot. That's great. This is the first I'm hearing of this. I'm glad we had this talk. In your view, and maybe this is impossible to pin down, how common is mental illness? And I ask that question fully realizing that mental illness is such a broad catch-all category that uh, might uh, in- include people that are totally dysfunctional and need to be institutionalized and people that could benefit from a little bit more curcumin and some occasional talk therapy in their lives. But w- how would you answer that question of how common mental illness is? Dude, it's everywhere. If you're a human on the planet, assume you know more than one one person who's suffering with clinical level anxiety and or depression, not to mention attention deficit problems and things like that. But it is epidemic. And part of it's the COVID epidemic and coming out of that mm. and still being in it a little bit. Part of it, or, or somewhat, uh, part of it is um, the fact that, you know, we're living as semi-robots. We're dealing with technology to such an extent that you can feel as if you're being sucked into that technological maelstrom, right, where you're literally, your head's spinning, you're trying to integrate so many different technologies, your, your attention is fractured by TikTok, Facebook, this, that. Um, it's tough being human right now, not to mention, you know, all the social things being thrown at people, all the choices that they're invited to make now. It's a very difficult time. Again, someone around you or you, uh, and there are people who are listening for whom this is the case, um, is battling one condition or another right now. And there is help, but you have to work a bit to get the help you need. And for people who don't understand what it's like, listen, major depression, for instance, or panic disorder, to look at anxiety, is more like, if you wanted an analogy, it's more like having a stroke where you can't move your left arm. So telling somebody, move your left arm, move your left arm, that's not going to work, dude. You know, my brain's not working. And because you can move, People too frequently think, well, just, you know, pull yourself up and let's go. What are you sad about? No, no, no. My brain's not working. And for Naomi Judd, literally her brain wasn't working. It couldn't generate 
the circuitry and the flow to make her feel alive. And so she felt more like death and chose it. Anybody out there thinking that or who has a friend or relative or loved one or acquaintance who expresses this notion, I don't even know if it's worth going on. You got to tell them, listen, you know why you don't know? Your brain's not working. Okay, stop thinking that that's how things are. It isn't. You've got it all wrong because your brain's not working right. Let's get it working the right way. Well, I know you are the founder of something called Pain to Power, which has already helped a lot of folks. Uh, What exactly is Pain to Power? Oh, so Pain to Power is basically the notion that anything you're going through or which you have lived through is the source of your strength. Uh, Nothing will do you in as long as your perspective is, okay, I'm going to take the lessons I can from this and triumph over it. It's very much about mental health awareness month or week, because basically it's saying, um, as long as you opt for tomorrow, it will be in the rear view mirror. These things that look like they're gonna do you in are going to fuel you. The things that are painful to you, we're gonna delve into them. Let's take psychotherapy and we're gonna find out what's been slowing you down. What haven't you looked at in your life that's painful, that when we look at it together, we're going to turn it into power because Mm. we're going to release you from negative patterns that you didn't even know you were still playing through. And maybe they're rooted in things that happened when you were nine. It's painful. And it might hurt to go back and look at it a bit. But you know what? We're going to turn that pain into power. Or someone loses a business and says, it's over. It's over for me. I've lost everything. No, you haven't. In fact, you're going to look back. The future defines the past. You're going to look back and say, man, that was tough. But I'm a warrior now. I'm crushing it. And that's true for so many people. Nobody leaves the movie theater because the main character is in trouble. No one's getting up and saying, ah, Tom Cruise, he's in a mess of trouble. Let's go. Now, we only do that in our own lives. We're like, Keith Ablo, he's in so much trouble, I'm out. No, you're not. Sit down, have some more popcorn. The tide is going to turn. Well, that's great. And I, I know you've uh, you've dealt with your uh, your fair share of uh, of setbacks professionally as well. And uh, I've I always have. been I've always no, been impressed <laughs> at uh, how you've been able to uh, stay so motivated and so energetic that you don't let any of this stuff get to you. At least it seems that way. You still seem laser focused on uh, on your goals. Well, listen, it, it gets to you. That's not I'm not I'm not Teflon. It, it things hurt me. I'm human, right? But I take a quizzical view of the bad things that visit me. I think to myself, "Huh, what's this about? Mm. How's this going to turn out good?" And that I literally ask myself that question. You know, when the when the DEA raided my office, mm. I I literally that moment said, "Wow, where's this going?" So I didn't think, "Oh my God." I'm being completely, uh, you know, uh, set back in my chair. This is the end of something. I thought this is going to be a journey. Well, uh, Keith, I want to thank you very much for getting up early with us. I appreciate the time. I'll look forward to chatting again soon. 
You got it, pal. I'll talk to you soon, Frank. Thank you. You want to learn more about Keith Ablo? Go to keithablo.com. There's links to Pain to Power. There's links to the Ablo Center. Uh, you can check out his books. He's written a bunch of books on a variety of subjects. 800-848-WABC. We'll do 15 seconds of fame straight ahead. 